Hi, everybody. Paul Davis, alcoholic. And, uh, thank you guys for inviting me here tonight. Didn't know it was going to be a stag meeting, but that's okay. Um, you know, guys, I uh, nothing special, nothing unique about Paul Davis whatsoever. Um, January 29th, 2001 is my sobriety date. So coming up here in a couple months, I'll have, uh, that's math right there, 15 years. Um, 15 years next month after that. Um, amazing. Never imagined that I would ever, ever. Uh, you know, um, my mom kicked me out when I was 15 because I was coming home drunk at 15. My folks split up and I'm fumbling in a hallway at the apartment complex and she'd open the door and I'd fall on the, you know. Um, so she kicked me out when I was 15 and I came back two months or two weeks later and uh, turned 16 and got my ear pierced and she came home from work and she said, take it out or get out. And so I started packing my bag again and she said, well, I guess I'll, I'll see you in two weeks as I'm walking out the door. And that was the last thing she should have said because I never went home. Um, the term homeless didn't exist back then, but uh, I lived in a 72 Pontiac Granville and just dug the shit out of it, you know. I thought it was the coolest thing. <laughs> um, slept behind a pizza hut and went to school and graduated high school, you know. Um, but was drinking, my point being, I was drinking alcoholically at that age. Um, Blackout drinker. Thought blackouts meant we had a good time. Thought blackouts meant that I got my money's worth. Um, and I drank to a, I, I, I drank to blackout every time. Because you're not having fun if you don't not remember. Um, I drank that way. And, and, and I, I got into drugs. And drugs is a lot of part of my story. Um from 15 to 37 and drinking and drugging for 22 years and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm thinking that's normal. I'm, I'm right there in a the big book. You know, I think that that's normal. I don't think there's anything wrong with going to work, getting off work, going straight to the bar with the boys. The first beer don't count. We always call it, call it cutting the dust. You know, that one just cuts the dust. And uh, then all the little pussies would go home. And um, then we'd go score some dope, go down to the hood, score some dope. And then that, and then we would roll, you know. And we would do that every day. And there was nothing wrong with that. I didn't think. Um, and I did that for a long time. So that's, you know, I mean, I mean you know, we, all, we can all do the drunk log forever, and, and, and you guys know it, and, and I don't think there's any point in doing that. Um, but I drank and, and alcoholically from a very early age and, and, and was a blackout drinker from a very early age, and I ended up in treatment, and that's when I found out that blackouts were 
a huge red flag. And, and that's when I was like, well, what? I thought, you know. And then as I'm, at the time, I'm married um, to my second wife, and my uh, father-in-law was a World War II vet, and I'm talking to him about all this stuff you guys are teaching me and all this stuff I'm learning, and I'm telling him about my drinking and how I black out every time. And this is a man I respect. Uh, he's, he's passed away since, but, but, you know, he's a World War II vet, combat vet, and he's, he's telling me that he's blacked out one time in his life. And he never drank like that again because it terrified him. And he was coming home from the Aleutian Islands and was partying with the boys in Denver. And they were on a train, one of the trains coming home after the war. And he got so drunk he blacked out and woke up. And he was supposed to come back to Kansas City and ended up somewhere, I'm going to say Laramie. And uh, he, he said, I never drank like that again because it terrified me. And I'm like, dude, you don't know how to drink. <laughs> you don't know? Because, I mean, I'm 15 years old, and I'm thinking that's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, and this man's a combat veteran from World War II, and it terrified him, scared him to death. He never drank like that again. So that was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, that's like, that was one of my ahas, right, when I'm first sobering up. That was one of my ahas that Paul Davis, drug addict, alcoholic, normal drinker. You know, um, what got me into the program, what I like to, you know, it, it's, it's one of the things that, that I like to share because it's not, it's not fifth step stuff. And, and, but I beat my wife on January 28th, the night of, it was Super Bowl Sunday. Um, I had been trying to control my drinking because my first wife that I have older children with had left and gone to left Kansas City and taken my kids and gone to Eugene, Oregon. And all of a sudden my daughter's uh, uh, troubled teen and she's self-mutilating, cutting, and suicidal. And so I bring her back to Kansas City and her mom's an alcoholic and living the biker lifestyle and there's nothing but beer and baked potatoes and mustard in the refrigerator that my children are living off of is not beer, but the most, but this is what the stories are telling me mustard and baked potatoes. And so I'm trying to control my drinking because her mother is the alcoholic running the streets with these bikers. And so I don't want to be that guy. So for the first time in my life, I'm trying to control my drinking and I'm hiding my cocaine and hiding my drug use for the first time ever in my life. <clears throat> and then this is the summer, okay, so fast forward to the next January where Super Bowl Sunday comes around. Well, for my entire life, I'd have a Super Bowl party. Well, it's Super Bowl Sunday. How do you not have a party when it's Super Bowl Sunday when you've done it your whole life? So after this eight or nine months of me trying to control my drinking, I have to have my Super Bowl party. So I get a keg, and I get a fifth of some of those can't even remember what it was. One of those flavored vodkas, and um, and of course a an eight ball, and just lose my mind. And my wife got drunk. I was drunk, but my wife got drunk, and I didn't want my children to see 
my wife drunk, which I don't get, right? I mean, the, my logic, you guys, I'm drunk, right? You guys understand. The mother figure in my children's life at the time, I didn't. So anyway, I, I beat her up. It makes no sense. That was my bottom. That was my bottom. Um, that was my yet. Let me say that. That wasn't my bottom. That was my yet. Um, so I get into, my daughter is in counseling for her, for her self-mutilating and her suicide attempt, so I go with her the next day, and her counselor, I terrified, I terrified her counselor. Um, she gives me the, the, that mast, that, that alcohol screening test. It's either Michigan or one of the states, Michigan or Maine or, anyway, it's a, and, and I'm so full of shit because I'm, I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof, and, and I'm like, the questions are like, have you ever been arrested for, I'm like, fuck yes, <laughs> have you ever been brought home by the police, <laughs> you know, have <laughs> you ever spent the night in jail, heck yeah, 10 times, you know, <laughs> I'm bragging, because these are, I'm thinking these are badges of honor, and I turn it in, and I, and then I'm, she's really terrified of me, and she's like, uh, I think you need to go see this other counselor, so I end up in treatment, right, and it was an IOP, um, and that's my introduction to you guys. And, you know, I, 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 even all the years of the, the me living on the streets and, and drinking and drugging the way I did, I, I still, I'm still a pretty sharp cookie. And I knew that you guys were telling me the truth. I knew everything I'm learning in treatment, those three days a week for three hours a day, where they're force-feeding all that shit into us, I knew it. I didn't conceptualize it at whatsoever at the time, but I knew it here. I knew the truth. I'm reading it, and then she's telling my counselor saying that blackouts are a, red, a huge red flag, and that I'm a textbook alcoholic, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Are there stages of alcoholism? And she's like, it's kind of like being a little pregnant. You either are or you aren't. And I'm like this. I didn't think, you know, you, you guys, you know what I'm talking about. I, honest to God, didn't think there was anything wrong with the way I was drinking. I didn't think there was a thing wrong with it. Now, I've had dear friends since I came in that have walked through the doors and said, I'm done. I'm an alcoholic. There's something wrong with the way I drank. I need help. That wasn't me. I walked in 10 foot tall and bulletproof and so full of shit you could smell me when I walked through the door. I didn't, I didn't have a problem. I didn't want your help. I didn't want your steps. I didn't want the program. I didn't want to quit drinking. I damn sure didn't want to quit drugging. I mean, that was my life. I didn't, I didn't know who I was going to be. I didn't know any of that stuff. I just didn't ever want to put my hands on a woman, especially my wife, the way I did that night, ever again, ever again. That, and I didn't want my children to ever see me like that again. So that was my motivation. Not drinking and drugging. Not quitting drinking and drugging. That, that was 
the furthest thing from my mind. But like I said, I'm in treatment and you got, and I'm learning all this stuff. And I know it here. So I'm hanging around and I'm, I, I've been blessed, guys, that, that January 29th is my sobriety date. And I've never had to go back out and, and do any more research. Um, I stayed so pissed off for so long. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say I was an alcoholic for a long time. I mean, I'm coming to meetings with you guys, and I'm like, hi, my name's Paul. And I'm looking around the table, and I'm just waiting for somebody to say, you're supposed to say Paul alcoholic. And I was going to jump. You know, because I was so full of shit. Um, but I I, 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 I didn't want. You know, that's the first step. We admitted we were powerless, so there wasn't there wasn't anything wrong with it. So why should I ever admit? But those nine months, the my treatment was I don't I can't remember. Twelve weeks, something like that, and I'm still hanging around. And they told me to get a sponsor, and I'm the guy that. They would put my note in the, you know, in the basket because we had to go to meetings and, and I got a sponsor begrudgingly because they told me to get a sponsor. So I got a sponsor and all of that crap and, and, and I'm hanging around and I'm stomping around and I'm pissed off and I'm going to meetings and I'm staying sober and some other stuff happened that, that, that I'll get back to, but there was this nine month, I was nine months sober before I finally, I just, I, I, I just, I finally let you guys in, you know, I finally opened my heart and I let one guy in. I finally, you know, my counselor, when I was in treatment, she said, damn, Davis, you are so walled off. You know, she's like, you got a wall and I'm like, goddamn right. You know, that's another one of my badges. You know, nobody's getting in. And, and uh, you know, she taught us these visualizations. You know, we had to do that guided meditation, you know. And, and so she's teaching me, you know, she's telling me to take my wall down. Bill, take that wall down, David. She got it. To, and I didn't while I'm in treatment with her. But, you know, I'm going to meetings with you guys and, and I'm finally like, all right, all right. You know, I'm at that nine-month period. And, you know, I just kind of, I took a brick out of my wall, you know. And I let one man into my heart. And that's all it took. You know, you guys, you guys loved me enough through that of my 10-foot-tall bullshit. Um, and I stayed sober and... and, and and at that, I had that magic, you know, I'm like, mm, okay, all right, maybe this is, I still wanted, I still, I was still wanting to drink and drug for a, a long time. Um, and, and now I'll backtrack, because I came in, and, I came in the 1st of February, and then in May, my wife gets diagnosed with cancer. So this is there's so much God there's so much God in all of my story, um, and I know I mean I I know that 
that my wife didn't get cancer so that I would get sober. I know that none of it was about me. No, you know, none of, none of it. Um, I come in in February. She's diagnosed with cancer in May. And then I get pissed off because I have to stay sober. I'm pissed off anyway, right? Um, but I, then, then, then I have to stay sober because I have to take care of her, right? Because that's my wife, for one thing. And, I, I, you know, so I got all that going on. I got, you know, I'm full of shit. I'm so full of shit at the time. And so I'm staying sober and then, and then I, 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 I have the the aha at nine months where I'm like, okay, all right, maybe you guys are maybe you guys are really telling the truth, and and I can let somebody in. I can take I can start taking this wall down, and um, fast forward again a little bit, guys. Still wanting to drink and drug, still wanting to run and escape because she's dying. Long story short, she's dying, and uh, I'm two years sober, two years and two weeks sober, and she passed away. She died. She doesn't make it. And I that, and then that's all I want to do is run. That's all I want to do is escape completely. Um, and you guys did it again. You guys surrounded me. You guys knew. You guys were at my house. And she didn't know. She's like, and, and you know, we had lots. You know, she, she got so quick. She got so sick so quick that, she, you know, she... And you guys surrounded me with love. She couldn't understand why everybody's coming to the house. And, and she couldn't understand why I thought I was an alcoholic. And she couldn't understand why I wouldn't drink with her. You know? And, 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 and she never got she never got the chance to understand. You know? She knows now. She knows now. But you guys, you guys literally saved my life. Um, uh, one man in particular that I had the honor of being his uh, pole bearer just last year. Um, he was there. there. This is, again, so much God. The guy that I had to ask to be my sponsor. I asked him to be my sponsor when his wife, his wife had passed away from cancer just a few months before I asked him to be my sponsor. When my wife gets terminal like the last four months was really bad and he came to me and he said Polly I got to step back he said this is too close he said I can't I can't and I'm like Dan I get it I get it so so anyway Dan stepped back and then Carol stepped in my dear friend and I was just the the pole bearer at his and Carol was at my house every day every day and Carol was taking me to meetings and and um after my wife died, um, my sisters, my sister-in-laws were staying at the house full time, and um, they were drink- they, they they were normies, you know. They're drinking, and, and and Carol goes around and dumps all the booze out of the house. He said, "Well, Polly," he said, "I think I got it all." And I'm like, "You missed one." He's like, "No, I didn't." I'm like, "Yeah, you did." And I went in, and I. And I I just knew there was one more bottle of wine in the refrigerator that he missed. I'm, I, I, I'm watching him, or I just knew. Anyway, Carol found. I showed Carol where the last bottle of wine was that he dumped out. Um, 
My first three years of sobriety sucked, guys. It really did. You know, and, and you kept, you you told me, keep coming back. You know, just keep coming back. At first, you guys told me, keep coming back, it gets better. And I'm like, fuck you. It's not getting better. It sucks. My wife's dying. Fuck you very much. And they're like, my guy, my buddies are like, okay, Polly, keep coming back. We love you. And I'm like, all right, because I believed you. By then, I'd taken enough bricks out of my wall, you know, that I, that I believe you. So I came back, and I saw it, and I felt it. Um, that's how Alcohol- Alcoholics Anonymous saved my life. There, was, there came some point after I'm, as I'm grieving, after I'm grieving, a year, 16 months, that I finally had my final surrender. I just, I, I just, I was done, right? Up until that point, up until that point, I couldn't have told you that I wasn't going to drink again. Or, or, or that, that, you know what, you guys know what I'm saying. But, like... A year, year and a half after she passed, as I'm going through my grief, I just was finally like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm an alcoholic, and I'm okay with that, you know. And um, that was huge, you know, that that was like my last surrender. And um, by the grace of God and... And Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, I, I'm still sober today, which just slays me. And the life I have today slays me. That guy that, that, that walked through that door that was 10 foot tall and bulletproof and so full of shit. And, you know, I used to, I used to live and thrive on rage and anger. And being just, you know, every time I got pulled over, I'd go to jail or I'd get $500 worth of tickets, you know, because I'd flip the cop's shit on purpose, you know, every time. And after I came in here, I, I, I laugh now, you know. I haven't got a ticket, and I can't remember the last time. I remember uh, uh, my wife, after she passed away, she told me, she said, you're still a young man, you know. She said, you, you're going to find somebody. And I didn't want to talk about that with her. And she said, I just want you, she said, don't ever bring another woman in my house. So I sold our house, you know. I couldn't have stayed there anyway. But anyway, I moved to this little village. They call it the Village of Oakview. And the Village of Oakview was this big, surrounded by Gladstone, which was this big, which was surrounded by Kansas City. Well, the Village of Oakview had one cop. <laughs> and there was a Catholic church with a school and it was 15 miles an hour past the school, which was the only way in and out of Village of Oakview. And I'm on my motorcycle, and the sun's in my eyes, and I'm and I got you know I'm like this so I can see, and I'm rolling down this road, and I can't even tell, but it's the one cop, and he comes by me and he hits his lights. I'm like shit, so I pull over, and I take all my gear off, and I'm sitting back waiting for him, and he comes up. I give him all my stuff. And 
He's like, how long have you been riding motorcycles, Mr. David? I said, I'm a whole life, dude. <laughs> he said, uh, you know what the speed limit is back there by the Catholic school? I'm like, yeah, it's 15 miles an hour. He said, well, if you've been riding motorcycles your whole life, you ought to know the difference between 15 and 45 miles an hour. <laughs> and I started laughing out loud. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And he looks at me. He said, you're, you're, you live here in Oakview? And I'm like, yeah, I live right around the corner. He said, slow it down. So especially past the church. I'm like, yes, sir. But, you know, I mean, that's just one of... I, I, my point being, I laugh at cops now. You know, I, I mean, I can't, I, honest to gosh, I haven't got a ticket out here. And I've been out here six years. That's amazing, you know. Um, that anger, that was my first miracle too. Um, I remember being brand new and, 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 and that, that nine months that, that, my my early journey in sobriety when people would come in after me and they'd sit there I didn't I've been sober three months and I didn't even think about taking a drink today and I would be like <laughs> I did you know um, but but my miracle was that I had that at some point that I wasn't angry I remember sitting in a meeting going, hmm, I'm not angry. Hmm, I haven't been angry today. I don't think I was angry yesterday. So that was another one of those little aha things, you know, that that God took my <coughs> anger first. He took my anger first, which I think he really had to, you know, because I was... He had to take my anger so that I could maintain the clarity that I was getting. And then my obsession for drugs and alcohol he took later. But, you know, that, 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 that was my early journey in sobriety. And, and I, through that and having a phenomenal sponsor and having men that surrounded me with love and, and showed me and, and and taught me, you know, one of the best, the, the, the biggest things I learned was how to do the next right thing because I thought the way I was living and the life I had lived, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. So I had to learn right from wrong. And so I learned right from wrong in Alcoholics Anonymous. And you guys taught me that, you know, and... And, my gosh, I mean, fast forward to today, and, and I've got a beautiful wife, and never in my life have I, would I ever imagine. We've got three children. I've got an eight-year-old and, and seven-year-old twins, you know. Our eight-year-old is going to be nine in a couple of weeks, and, and I've got God in my life. I've got a I've got a relationship with a higher power. Never would I ever imagine that I'd been sober this long. I couldn't have, you know, like they always tell us to write down what you expect when when you're brand new and in, in recovery. Write down what you expect. And I never would have. I couldn't fathom 
I couldn't fathom living life any different than I had been doing it since I was 15. You know, I'm 37 years old and I'm a punk. I'm in an adult body. I'm a grown man, but I'm a punk. So I had to learn to grow up. I had to, you guys taught me how to be a man. Um, this, this program, Alcoholics Anonymous, you guys, the fellowship, it just, it doesn't get any better than this. I mean, I can't imagine. I still have a very healthy fear which is good, of, I, I, stay, I just got a, on the way here, a kid called me yesterday, and I called him on the way, I, I got picked up a new sponsee today, um, I sponsor people, I stay active, um, we got a couple meetings in Verado that uh, I'm pretty involved in, I helped start the Friday night meeting. Um, my wife helped start the Wednesday night meeting, and she um, started the Monday women's meeting. So um, it's pretty neat. I know there's you hear pros and cons about Jack and and Jill meeting in AA, and, um, but after my wife died, and I was through my grief period, and and that was another one of the benefits of the program. I I'm I'm not sure if I'm still grieving or if I'm missing female companionship. So back at our home group, I had an older, a dear friend, an older woman that I was able to confide with um, that she helped me, you know, to figure out if I was grieving or missing female companionship. And anyway, I, I knew, I even knew at that time that there was no way I, I could have ever dated a normie or, or anybody that, and then God brought this this woman into my life that's in the program with us, guys. And and it, it's pretty cool because when we, and we did it so adult, which amazed me, you know, when we started dating, we sat down and we're like, okay, sobriety first. You know, if we are out on a date and the phone rings and it's one of our sponsees, guess who gets priority? Sponsee. You know, if anything comes up and one of us needs to go to a meeting, guess what? Meeting. You know, I mean, I'm here tonight. Um, Mama's got the girls. You know, there's times that that happens all the time. Um, we'll, we'll divvy up meetings, you know. I'll take the girls. She'll go to a meeting. She'll take the girls. I'll go to a meeting. But we actually sat down with, like, notes when we're dating. Of, and we did all this. This is just. Um, this is amazing, you know. We're, we we were so adult about it, when, you know. But that's just another of the, one of the blessings of of Alcoholics Anonymous that that you know you guys taught us. You guys taught us how to be adults, and we had wonderful we had wonderful sponsors. I just you know, guys, my I I I have no complaints. I could. Bitch, piss, and moan, and complain like all of us. But I got God in my life, and I'm sober, and I got you guys. I don't need anything else. 
thank you guys for allowing me to come share tonight. I truly, honestly love you all, which for this guy that was 10 foot tall and bulletproof and hated everybody and everything is something amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul.